Come on, let's celebrate Jesus in the house. Let us celebrate his goodness. Glory to Jesus. Glory, 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 glory. Can I hear somebody give the Lord a shout? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. While I am humbled, and you took me by surprise, and I really appreciate it, and thank you so much for, for honoring me and honoring the gift of God upon my life. I don't take it for granted, and I appreciate the invitation uh, to preach here. Well, let me make this announcement before I do any other thing. I want to honor the general overseer of the ICGC, <laughs> Reverend Dr. Mensah Otabel and Reverend Joy Otabel, the first lady of ICGC. In case you, you care to know, Dr. Mensah Otabel is my mentor and my spiritual father. I submit to him. And I honor him wherever I go. Before we, well, I mean, he, by the grace of God, did us the honor by doing the short cutting for our building. And when the building was done, he had to come and dedicate the building. And we are so blessed to have such a man in this nation. Not only for ICGC, but for Ghana, Africa, and the world. Let us all clap our hands and honor Reverend Dr. Mensah Otabe. Come on, let us give him the Lord a shout for his life. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Man of God, thank you very much for this invitation and I bless God for your life. You are doing a great work. I, I, I glorify God for your life and the life of your wife for championing this course. It's not easy to pastor a uh, church. I've been pastoring for the past, I think, about 32, 33 years. And it's not easy to pastor the church. The other day, Elijah said, God, I'm not better than my fathers. So if you care to know, I want you to kill me. Mostly said, Lord, am I the one who conceived them? That he asked them to pastor them. If I find grace in your sight, kill me. I mean, Jesus himself had to go and pray, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass. That is the kind of work we have been called to do. And we have the passion for it, and we thank God that God has given you the heart to pastor such a flock. I want to thank God for all the leadership that are serving in this house you guys are doing great. You are doing fantastic. I, I look at a building you are putting up, and, and it's fantastic. And I want to encourage you to do everything possible to stand with the work here and push it forward. Push it like your own. And let God bless your life. Amen. God bless you. Take your seat. Lift up your righteous right hand. Let us pray. Father, grant me utterance. Let me teach and preach with clarity of speech and understanding. Hide this little clay behind the cross. That Jesus and his name alone will be seen and exalted in our hearts and mind. Don't only challenge us, but transform us to conform to the very image of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be sharing with you on, on a message uh, that... I wrote a booklet on, and after that, about six years later, God gave me the continuation of that message, and it is called the prophetic sacrifice. Somebody say the prophetic sacrifice. Hallelujah. And we are going to read from the book of Genesis chapter 21, sorry, 22. Genesis chapter 22, we are going to uh, go through the verse uh, 1 to 14, and we will just end there. Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. Glory to Jesus. But before we get into Genesis chapter 22, let me give you a recap of what had happened from Genesis chapter 21, sorry, chapter 1 to the verse, uh, the last verse of chapter 21. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2 happened to be the creation of the earth and chapter, part of chapter 2 and chapter 3 
the earth had been created, man had been formed, and, and man had already fallen. God created a, a world of righteous people, but man sinned and man had fallen. And so God looked for somebody else that he could raise a generation of righteous people through. And then Genesis chapter 4, two kids have been born, Cain and Abel. And the Bible says that God loved Cain, sorry, Abel, because Abel had a good heart. Abel had a heart towards God. And unfortunately, Cain had to kill Abel. So Genesis chapter 4 we see the birth and the murder of Abel. By Genesis chapter 6, the people had grown, multiplied, until they had multiplied throughout the earth, and then they began to do some sins, commit some serious sins, that God decided to destroy the earth. Genesis chapter 7 and 8, we see the destruction of the earth, the deliverance of Noah uh, and his family. And then we also see the sacrifice that he made and the rainbow that God showed them. But Genesis chapter 9 and chapter 10, they have remultiplied, replenished, or they were replenishing the earth. And by Genesis chapter 11, they had become multitude of people, and now they are getting into competition with God. They have decided to build a tower, which, heaven, which top will reach to the heavens. So God decided to confuse their language and to scatter them from their diabolic mindset. But Genesis chapter 12, God was still looking for a man. Adam had messed up. Abel had been killed. Noah was found. And Noah, what he was delivered from, he found himself in it. He became drunkard and drunk and somewhere along the line, God kept looking until the earth had become messed earth again. So by Genesis chapter 12, God found a man. Somebody say God found a man. God found a man called Abram. Abram, and he called him out of his father's country from his kindred and among his people. But Genesis chapter, and he gave him a promise. Genesis chapter 13, a young guy that he came up with. In fact, Lord was not uh, directly connected to Abraham. Abraham had been called out of his home, and so he was obeying God and was going forward by the assignment of God, and he had to go out with his father. And his father, because his father was an old man, and his father was in charge of Lot. And so, Lot had to go with Abraham. It be, Lot became an essence baggage to Abraham because of Abraham's father. Somewhere along the line, Abraham's father died, and so Lot became Abraham's direct responsibility. Somebody here with me. And so, by chapter, uh, we know what happened, the separation by chapter 13, Separation between Lot and Abraham. Chapter 14, Lot was, I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah has been taken over and Lot had been rescued by Abraham. And by chapter 15, God reassures Abraham that he was going to bless him with a child. He was going to have a child of his own. By chapter 16, Hagar has given birth to a son called Ishmael by the advice of uh, uh, Sarah. Chapter 17, God's covenant was consummated by circumcision. Chapter 18, the announcement of the birth of Isaac and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. I want you to follow me carefully. Chapter 19, destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. I will know what happened. And by chapter 20, Sarah and Abimelech episode where Abimelech wanted to sleep with Sarah and God had to intervene because Abraham introduced Sarah as his sister. By chapter 21, there was confusion at home between Hagar and Sarah, Ishmael and Isaac. And Sarah has demanded that Ishmael be sent out of the house. It was difficult for Abraham to do, but you know, if you are married before, or if you are married, if your wife doesn't like a house help in the house, you better let her go. Because you will lose your peace in that house. Confusion, and so God had to come in. Somebody said, God. God came in and advised Abraham, Abraham, I have a mission for you. So listen to your wife. Let Hagar and Ishmael go out. So by chapter 21, by chapter 21, Ishmael has been dismissed with his mother out of the house. Then God comes to Abraham, chapter 22, and he begins with this. Now it came to pass after these things 
After what things? After all the things I just narrated to you. It came to pass after all the things I just narrated to you. Chapter 21, Ishmael had been driven out of the house. Hagar had been driven out of the house. And the only son of the house was Isaac. And when Abraham did not know where Isaac was, God comes to Abraham and he said, now it came to pass after this thing that God tested. The kingdom says, and God did tempt. But this is the right translation. God tested Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. Then he said, take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Ladies and gentlemen, I begin, before I get into the heart of the message, let me establish this quickly. That everything we are going to read in Genesis chapter 22, you will hear the name Isaac, you will hear about Abraham, but it has nothing to do with Isaac. Everything we are going to read about has everything to do with Jesus. Is somebody here with me? Has everything to do with Jesus. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 and 15, I need to run a little fast. I hope it's okay with you. Oh, are you with me? Am I going too fast? Thank you very much. Because I need to download a lot of things into your database. Genesis chapter 3 verse 14 and 15. The Bible says, For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. So there's a family of God in heaven, and there's a family of God here on earth. And God is in heaven, and God must have a representative here on earth. And so that was why he was looking for somebody who would stand as the father of a family here on earth. And he kept looking until Genesis chapter 12 when he found Abraham. Somebody say Abraham. So Abraham was going to be the father, as God promised, of all nations. Father of God's family here on earth. And if Abraham was going to be the father of God's family here on earth, then he must have the heart of God. Abraham must learn to love every one of us just as he will love Isaac, his biological son. Am I talking to somebody here? Therefore, God had to take him through some series of tests to prove his heart. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the things we need to get clear is that if you walk with God or you intend to walk with God, God will try your heart. Because oftentimes, our mouth says something different when our heart is towards another direction. We say something with our mouth, I love you, and our heart is saying something different. Am I talking to somebody here? And But God wants to, wants to prove your heart. God will want to know you by your heart. And by the time we are done, you will get to understand. And so, Bible makes us to understand that God tested Abraham. Somebody say he tested. He tested Abraham. And knowing that Abraham was going to be the father of all nations and our father. Then Abraham must be saved by the same grace. As we are going to be saved. I submit to you that Abraham was the first person who was saved by grace through faith. Right from the Old Testament. So salvation by grace is not a New Testament thing. It started under the Old Testament in shadows. Listen to what the book of Galatians chapter 3 and the verse 8 says. Galatians chapter 3 verse 8. And the scripture foreseen that God would justify the hidden through faith. Preach before the gospel unto Abraham. Saying, indeed, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Listen to the amplified version. Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, the amplified version. And the scripture for saying that God will justify, declare righteous, put in right standing with himself, the Gentiles in consequence of faith, proclaim the gospel, foretelling the glad, glad tidings of a savior long beforehand to Abraham in the promise saying, in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Hallelujah. Bible in basic English puts it this way. And the holy writing seeing before the event that God will give the Gentiles righteousness by faith gave the good news before 
to Abraham. Somebody say good news. Before to Abraham, saying in you will all the nations of, I mean, will all nations have a blessing. Hallelujah. What is the good news? Good news is salvation by grace. Am I talking to somebody here? The good news is salvation by grace. And the Bible is saying that God foreseen during Abraham's time that he's going to save all of us by faith. And going to give us righteousness by faith. He preached the gospel. He preached the good news. He preached salvation by faith unto Abraham. Is somebody here with me? Oh, it's going to get better here. Hallelujah. So Genesis chapter 22 was one of the chapters in the Bible, Old Testament, where God preached salvation by grace to Abraham. Now let's get into the scripture. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, and he said, behold, here am I. The Bible uses the word God did tempt. Let us move forward. In other words, God examined him. God tested his faith. Verse 2. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Somebody said, Take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest. There is nobody in the whole Bible this description perfectly fit than Jesus Christ. John chapter 3 verse 16. Jesus is the only begotten of the Father. Jesus is the demonstration of the Father's love. Am I talking to somebody here? So God was telling Abraham, you see God was leading Abraham to do some things and Abraham did not understand. You know how sometimes God will lead you to do some prophetic act. God will inspire your heart to do some things. And you are doing it, but you don't know why you are doing it. You just tell yourself, I feel like. I feel like I should do it. It's not just about feeling. It's about God who is at work in you both to do and to will. To will and to do of his good pleasure. So sometimes God works within us. He moves us. Sometimes you begin, you feel like visiting a sister. Visiting that brother or calling that brother to check on him. God inspires you to do that. Am I talking to somebody here? Now, Abraham had embarked on a prophetic journey and his carnal mind did not understand, but he was just obeying the leadings in the spirit. The Bible says, God said to him, gave him a perfect description, and that description fits Jesus. And then the second thing he said was, get thee to the land of Moriah. Somebody said the land of Moriah. The land of Moriah is not Mount Moriah. Ladies and gentlemen, the land of Moriah is a land which consists of many mountains. It will interest you to know that on the land of Moriah uh, is, is Mount Moriah. There was a mountain there that was known, uh, it's known as Mount Moriah. On the land of Moriah is also Mount Zion. On the land of Moriah is Mount Olives. And interestingly, on the land of Moriah also is Mount Calvary. Mount Calvary happens to be the highest of all the mountains on the land of Moriah. So read the Bible and check it. God did not say, take him to the Mount Moriah. He said to the land of Moriah, and I will show you one of the mountains upon which you should sacrifice him. God was prophetically telling Abraham, because I'm going to sacrifice my son, my only son, my only begotten son, whom I love for the world. Abraham, you need to have my heart. You need to learn how to give out your only son that you love. Tell somebody, watch this Bible. Oh, I did not hear you. This Bible you have is an amazing book. Or to the land of Moriah and I will show you one of the mountains. One of the mountains upon which you will offer him there for a burnt offering. You offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains. Now interestingly, 
there are, when God established the Levitical priesthood, there were five major sacrifices that were done in the tabernacle. We had peace offering, sin offering, trespass offering, meal offering, and burnt offering. All the offerings have specific things that they do or specific meaning to the people of God and towards God. Sin offering had to do with the sin of sin done in ignorance. Let me forget, let me skip all that. Trespass offering, skip that. Has to do with interpersonal relationship. You talk about meal offering, thanksgiving service, peace offering, appreciation unto God. But it was one of the sacrifices or the offerings which is known as the burnt offering. Not getting into detail, let me give you one of the significance of the burnt offering. The burnt offering is the only offering that is sacrificed on the day of atonement. The day of atonement is the day when a burnt offering is sacrificed to cover the sins of the entire nation of Israel. So the burnt offering doesn't have to do with individual sacrifice, personal relationship. It has to do with the sins of a nation. In other words, the sins of the world. And God specifically said, take him there, offer him there for a burnt offering. Somebody say, a burnt offering. So, in other words, God has something in mind. Because my son, whom I love, is coming not to die for his personal sin. Not to die because he offended somebody. But he's coming to die as a burnt offering for the entire world. Am I talking to somebody here? So, God led Abraham to the Mount Calvary. And we are going to get into that. The land of Moriah. And God said, I'm going to show you one of the mountains. Now, verse 3. Verse 3. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place which God had told him of. Then, verse 4. Then on the third day, somebody say on the third day. I did not hear you. Then on the third day, say on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Abraham was going to kill Isaac, a prototype of Jesus. Yet God calculated his steps and the journey to the place of sacrifice took three days. Prophesying to Abraham, prophetically, that my son is coming to die and he will accomplish his mission in three days. Am I talking to somebody here? He will accomplish his mission in three days. So Jesus the other day said to the Pharisees and the scribes and the priests, destroy this temple, but I give you three days. Destroy this temple. I give you three days and I will raise it up. Ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus said that, they did not understand him. Am I talking to somebody here? When he said that they did not understand him. But Jesus was driving at the point And he took Abraham three days. Three days he saw the journey. He saw the place afar off. And number five, verse five. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with us. And I and the Lord will go yonder and worship. I love that word. Somebody say and worship. Oh, somebody say and worship. Can you believe this? That the child that Abraham had waited for, I like the smile on your face. I can look at your face and preach the whole message. The child that Abraham had waited for for 25 years. You have asked Sarah's stepson, Ishmael, to get out of the house. The only consolation in my life, my joy, my happiness, like we would say in, in Ghana, is Isaac. You come to me and you ask me to go and kill him. Yet, Abraham calls it worship. Abraham calls it worship. He calls the sacrifice of his son worship. Ladies and gentlemen, Anytime you do something for God, you give to the building of the house of God, you give to church, you are not just throwing away money. It is your act of worship. 
Abraham said to the young man, stay here. Stay with us. And I and the Lord will go yonder and worship. Somebody say worship. And say worship. And come back again. And come again to you. Verse 6. But before verse 6, let me dwell on this thing a little bit. Say Abraham. Abraham said to his young man. So there were young men with him. There were young men with him. Okay, verse 6. Watch this Bible. Tell somebody, watch this Bible. Watch this Bible. Watch this Bible. And Abraham took the wood. Can I get two? Of the my sons quickly. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And went both of them together. Watch this Bible. Oh, in our church, when I say watch this Bible, they respond, we are watching this Bible. Can we try and watch this Bible? You are a good student. Now watch this. Can I get another young man here? Let me show something quickly. Another young man. Okay, now, now watch this. So, this is my Isaac. I am Abraham. I am the one God has spoken to. And when God spoke to me, I picked the wood of the sacrifice and two of my young men with me to follow me to the sacrifice. Can I hear to the sacrifice? Oh, I did not hear that. To the sacrifice. Watch this. So, Isaac is going with me and the two young men are also with me. And as we journey on the third day, Abraham saw the place afar off. And the Bible says, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon his son. Isaac, carry it. No, this one is too heavy. Take this one out. Yeah, yeah, yeah so they will understand. And laid the wood upon his son, Isaac. Abraham was, was prophetically doing some things he did not understand. God was ordering his steps. And in James chapter 22, God was preaching the good news. He was preaching salvation by grace. Am I talking to somebody here? The wood was the wood upon which Isaac is going to be killed. There were two young men that went with Abraham from his house and there were servants. Ladies and gentlemen, when you saw the place of sacrifice, he took the wood from their hands and said, your work has ended here. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, the wood that Isaac was going to be sacrificed on, the young man helped Isaac to carry it. Don't forget about a man called Simon of Cyrene. When Jesus was carrying his cross, there was this man called Simon of Cyrene who helped Jesus to carry his cross. Am I talking to somebody here? These are the Simon of Cyrene who were contributing to the death and the burial of Jesus. What am I talking about? Ladies and gentlemen, he took the word from the young man. There's coming a time in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, you have your pastor to help you. You are in trouble, you call your pastor. You are in trouble, you call the elder of the church. You will call maybe a covenant family leader. You will call a church member to help you. But there is coming a time all network will not work. There's coming a time networks will not work. There's coming a time your pastor will switch his phone off. There's coming a time you will call the elder and the elder will not respond. Your call, not because he is wicked, but God will be teaching you that in this journey of life, there's coming a time you will need to learn how to carry your own cross. The young man helped him, but Abraham took it and placed it upon Isaac was teaching Isaac, you need to learn how to carry your own cross. Luke chapter 9 verse 23. If any man desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. There's coming a time 
people will not be there for you. Am I talking to somebody here? That is why sometimes you call somebody, you call your pastor, and your pastor doesn't pick it, and you are angry. You are angry because your pastor didn't pick it up. It's just because God wants to teach you a lesson. We are not raising baby Christians. We are not raising people who are 15 years old and they are still depending on their pastors. We are raising Christians who know how to confront the devil, who know how to pray, who know how to do spiritual warfare, who know how to stand for their lives and for their family. If you believe, you said, yes, I believe. You've got to learn how to carry your own cross. So he placed the wood upon Isaac, his son. And this is the wood for his sacrifice. Watch this Bible. I said, watch this Bible. I said, watch this Bible. And, and the verse, verse 7. Oh, glory to Jesus. And the verse 7. Interestingly, the people did not have a choice. The servant did not have a choice because they were compelled to carry it. They were compelled to carry the cross. Simon of Cyrene did not go himself to carry the cross. Matthew chapter 27 verse 32 declares and that they, 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 they compelled him. They compelled him to bear the cross. And these were servants of Abraham. They did not have a choice. Their master compelled him. Your master, Abraham, compelled them to carry the cross. But at the point he said, Isaac, you need to learn how to be responsible. Responsible. You need to learn how to be responsible. You need to learn how to carry your own cross. You need to learn how to pray. We are not raising prayer for me, Christians. Yeah, we will help you. We will stand with you to pray. But you've got to learn how to pray for yourself. You've got to learn how to stand for your family. You've got to learn how to stand for your children. Am I talking to somebody here? Am I talking to somebody here? And the verse number seven. And somebody say and. The verse seven. And Isaac spoke unto Abraham his father and said, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamp? This is a heartbreaking question. Where is the lamp for the burnt offering? Thank you very much, Isaac. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to put yourself in Abraham's shoe. Sometimes it's easier said than done. Put yourself in Abraham's shoe. If you were the one looking at your only son, not that you have two, to sacrifice one, to go and console yourself with the other, but the only one, and God has asked you to sacrifice him, and you look at the face of your son and your son asks you that question. What will you do? I know what you will do. Before you will answer, you will break down in tears. But you see, watch our father Abraham, a man of faith. When that question was put to him, Abraham did not, did not just answer from his mind. Abraham brought into the spirit and spoke the mind of God. What Abraham said was, and Abraham said, my son, everybody read, and when you get to himself, stop. Ready, go. Stop. One more time. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself. Ladies and gentlemen, when you come to the crossroad in life and you don't know what to say and you cannot prophesy, say nothing. Because the Bible says you are ensnared by the words of your mouth. The things you say can become an entanglement in your life or can promote your life. So therefore, when you are arrested by police, now you don't hear that much here in Ghana. But in America and elsewhere, you hear it clearly. You have the right to remain silent. 
everything you say shall be used against you in the court of law. In other words, they tell you straightforward, the words of your mouth can enslave you. Your words can imprison you. And in life, a lot of people have imprisoned themselves by the words of their mouths. But when Abraham was asked that question and he did not know what to say, he only prophesied, my son, God will provide himself. He will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. You know how sometimes you read the Bible and you come across some words and you think you understand them. As I read through with the Holy Spirit, pass me on the word provide. So I tried to check the word provide from the Hebrew and it amazed me. The meaning of the word provide from the Hebrew word re also means to reveal oneself, to appear oneself, to appear or to show oneself. In other words, God, Abraham was saying, my son, God will reveal himself. God will appear himself. God will show himself. Am I talking to somebody here? And Abraham was prophesying. And he did not know what he was doing. He had taken three days journey. He did not know what he was doing. He had prophesied and provided an answer. And he still did not know what he was doing. Ladies and gentlemen, when God commissions you on assignment, he is capable of providing. He will provide for your life. Am I talking to somebody here? Whatever be the challenge of your life, we serve a man, a God who, who is called Jehovah Jireh. The Lord who provides. Somebody shouted, he will provide. I did not hear you, he will provide. Watch this Bible. Verse 9. And they came both to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar. That he built what? An altar. And laid the wood in order. He built an altar. They came to the place which God had told him of. One of the mountains. One of the mountains. And he raised an altar. And laid the wood in order. And bound Isaac his son, and laid him upon the altar upon, laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham shot off his son, and took the knife to slay his son. Verse 11. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the Lord, neither do thou anything to him. For now, for now I know that thou Fearest God, saying that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Oh. Verse 1 began by saying, and God did test, tempt Abraham. God destroyed Abraham's heart. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says that when Abraham was about to kill him, God said, stop it. For now I know. In other words, Abraham, all that I was telling you, it was a test. You didn't know my mind. You thought I was asking to kill your son for nothing. But in my heart and in my mind, I was testing you. Ladies and gentlemen, God will test you. God will try you. You see, the interesting thing about God is that when he tests you, he doesn't test you in your abundance. Are you clapping or you are trying to clap? I repeat myself for free. When God tests you, he doesn't test you in your abundance. When you have more than enough, he tests you in times of need. In other words, you may have Enough, but you have enough need. That your enough is not enough for your need. Though you may have enough, he will test you with need. Which is more? Or which will challenge the enough you have? Isaac was the only son. And he had a lot of sheep. 
God didn't demand a sheep. He demanded a son. Anytime God demands that thing from you, that becomes so dear to your heart, difficult to give, you are at a breaking point. Either to move into the next level of your life or to get stuck there by keeping what God is demanding from you. I wish I was talking to seven Christians here. He said, only, the only son you have, and watch this Bible. Oh, I said, watch this Bible. God said, now I know. Oh my goodness, I'm loving three minutes. <laughs> you, you church members, that's how you are. <laughs> watch this, watch this, watch this. Give me some few minutes. Give me some few minutes. Give me some few minutes. Now, God said, for now, I know. For now, I know. Next time I come here as the Lord leads me, I will deal with that two word, for now. God said, for now, I know that I fear me. In other words, Abraham, I've taken you to a lot of series, I mean, series of tests, series of trials, but you have come to the last time, your last moment. And this is the last test for your next level. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians fail when they get to their break point. And God said to him, for now I know that thou fearest God. Why do you fear God? Because you did not behold your son. Not only one of your sons, but your only son. The only thing I gave you that I'm asking for, you did not keep it away from me. And because of this thing you have done, listen to what God said. No, let's go on. Let's go on. Let's go on. I won't get there today. Let's watch this. Sarah gave birth. Let's do some spiritual mathematics here. Are you ready for this? Sarah gave birth at the age of 90. And was the only woman whose death, her age at death was recorded died at the age of 127. So 127 minus 90. 37 years. Alright, so spiritual mathematics. 37 years. So at the birth of Isaac to the death of Sarah, Isaac was 37 years old. But we are not told at what age Abraham took Isaac for the sacrifice. It's number of commentators have paid the age, some have paid the age between 18 and 20. Other commentators and theologians have paid it at 25, others at 33, and others 20. So let us strike the average. The average among these days will give you 24.5 or 24 years, 6 months. So let's go to the lowest. At the time of the sacrifice, Isaac would have been at the age of 24 years. So consider Sarah's age. The difference between their age was 10 years with Abraham. Sarah died at the age of 127. And Abraham would have been 137. So if it was 20 years, by the time... You add the 20 years to 90 years of 24 to 90 years of Sarah will give you 104. Am I right? 104 years at the time of Abraham's sacrifice. 114. Oh, thank you very much. My mathematics. 114. 114 years at the time of Isaac's sacrifice. And plus 10 years difference between Abraham and Isaac would move it to 124 years for Abraham. Am I talking to somebody here? Have you ever seen a 100 years old woman before? Have you ever seen 90 years old woman before, a man before? You see their strength and how they walk. So the picture I'm trying to create for you here is that look at that 99 years old, 90 years old, 87 years old woman or man as against 24 years young man who has been going to the gym doing some press up 
with six pack. As against 124 years. Ladies and gentlemen, upon seeing the knife, one blow will send Abraham into coma. Am I talking to somebody here? Upon seeing the knife, one blow will send Abraham into coma and that will be the end of his life. He will never come back. Six pack, built muscles. Boom. Obituary. Gone too soon. I was just, I heard just a story yesterday where he was uh, on Facebook that somebody died and they wrote on his obituary at long last. <laughs> Not gone too soon. At long last. <laughs> What's this Bible? I said, What's this Bible? So, one. 24. I said, get 24 years. Isaac had enough muscles. Isaac was strong enough to have freed himself from his father. Yet Isaac never struggled with his father. Abraham had his sacrifice under control. His sacrifice was not controlling him. Ladies and gentlemen, is a reason why many times you know that God wants you to do this. But there is a fight. There is a battle. Your money controls you. Your thing controls you. It's difficult. You want to do it, but the money says no. You want to do it, but your building says no. You want to do it, but there is something. A need that is pressing you to say no. But Abraham had the sacrifice under control. So Genesis chapter 18 when God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, God said through the angels, said to the angels, should I do anything without telling my friend Abraham? Because I know him. He will command his children after him. I know him. How does God know you? We say we fear God, but I can tell you. We say we love God, but I can tell you most Christians don't reverence God. We don't reverence it. We say it with our mouth. But a lot of Christians today don't reverence God. We don't fear God. But God said of Abraham, for I know him. Oh, yes, Lord. Say, I know him. God said, I know him. He will command his children after him. And Isaac was an example. He had his sacrifice under control. Even though Isaac could fight his way out, yet Isaac was submitted. Isaac submitted himself to the leadings of his father and he was ready to die. Was ready to die. May nothing in this life stand between you and God. You see, with God, the Bible says he's a jealous God. You know how jealous he can be? Anything that takes preeminence in your life against him and against his kingdom becomes an idol. And when that thing stands between you and him, God will fight that thing. And that's why I'm sorry for women who pray, 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 God give me a child. God, I need a husband. And now they are married and their husband becomes a reason why they, they can't work for God. Their child becomes the reason why they cannot be active anymore for God. Don't make the thing you love an idol before God. And don't direct God's anger towards that thing. But let me go on. Let me finish this one quickly. And the Bible says, verse 13. The Bible says, this scripture is loaded. Let's, let's deal with it one after the other. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him. Somebody say behind him. I did not hear. Somebody say behind him. Abraham had journeyed. And he had walked through this path. He'd gone to the place of the sacrifice. He had built the altar. And now he was about to kill him. And God said stop. And then he turned. Behold behind him. The same place he passed. I just walked past this place. But this time when he had stretched his faith. To kill Isaac. And God stopped him. He turned behold behind. And there was a ramp there. 
How come I didn't see it? I just passed by this road. Ladies and gentlemen, when God wants to do something in your life and God is testing you and God is proving you or when God demands something from you, he will not tell you what he has in store for you. And every blessing God has for you, he will hide it behind you. Am I talking to somebody here? He will hide it behind you until you have obeyed him to the fullest. Watch this Bible. I said, watch this Bible. Let me finish it. Let me finish it. And behold, behind him a ram. Somebody say a ram. Somebody say a ram. What is a ram? A ram simply means a matured lamb. A ram was caught in the ticket by the horn. A ram simply means a mature lamb. In other words, God was telling Abraham... Abraham, my son will come to the world. My son, Jesus, is coming to die. But he will not die as a lamb. He will die a matured lamb. He will die as a ram. That is why Jesus came and Herod was after the baby boy. And he smashed all the military after that boy. But he could not kill the boy. Because prophetically, Jesus is not supposed to die a baby. He's not supposed to die a baby. He must die matured. And so God showed him the lamb. And the Bible says the lamb was caught in the ticket by the horn. In other words, the lamb has been arrested. Has been locked. A horn is a symbol of authority. And so the branches of the tree has entangled the horn of our Messiah. The horn of Jesus. And he has been arrested. His authority, his power has been arrested by the branches. And so prophet Isaiah prophesied about him. He was led to the slaughter. And he did not open his mouth. Because God has arrested his authority. God has arrested his authority. And so Jesus prayed, not as I will, but as thou willest. Am I talking to somebody here? God has arrested his authority. And he said to Peter, don't you know, I have power to command legions of angels from heaven to fight. Put your sword back. Because God has arrested his authority. The ram horn was caught in the ticket by the horn. His authority has been arrested. Now watch this Bible, watch this Bible. I said watch this Bible, watch this Bible. And Abraham offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Just as Christ took our stead. He offered him in the place of his son. So on the cross, Jesus demonstrated it. The thief on the cross. When the thief recognized him, he said, today you shall be with me. Jesus took his place. Jesus took our place. And that was what God did. Now the Bible says, now watch this. And the people could not understand. The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees could not understand. And so they, 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 they had a challenge. In the understanding, and they didn't understand anything God was doing. Even the high priest did not understand. So in John chapter, John chapter 8, let me show you something. John chapter 8 and the verse 56. Jesus was having a discussion with them. And Jesus said, you call Abraham your father. But Abraham is not your father. If Abraham is your father, you will love me. You will obey me. You will listen to me. And then, put it there. Your father Abraham, he said, your father Abraham... Rejoice to see my day. Continue. Oh, come on, church, talk to me. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it. And he was glad. And they asked a the question, you are not yet 50 years old. How do you claim Abraham saw you? And if you read Matthew chapter 1, we have the generation from Abraham to Christ. And it gives you 32 generations. I won't give you any years. But think about, think about days and years in Egypt, 430. Think about the wilderness experience, 40 years. 
That alone gives you 470. Forget about the rest. 470 were same. You are not yet 50 years old. And you say Abraham saw you. And he was glad. And Jesus messed them up. Watch this. Verse. And said to the Jews. Thou art not yet 50. Go to the next verse quickly. Verse 58. Is your laptop frozen? Okay, let me read. Verse 58. Jesus said unto them. Verily, verily I say unto you. Before Abraham was. Before Abraham was. Come on, shout it. Before Abraham was. Abraham was, but I am. Abraham was, but I am. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the same yesterday. I am the same today. Tomorrow, I am the same. You serve an unchanging God. The God of miracle. What you did in those days, he's doing it today, and you will do it for your life. Am I talking to somebody here? But hey, watch this Bible. Whenever God wants to bless you, you will put you to a test. He will put you to a test. That shall not lead me to temptation. Whenever God wants to bless you, he will put you to a test. He will never tell you what is at stake for your life. Until he has led you to stretch you to your fullest faith. Stretch you to your fullest faith. And when you stretch, like Abraham lifted up the sword. God saw that Abraham had already killed Isaac in his heart. And said, now I know you fear me. Ladies and gentlemen, when Abraham finally saw this, Verse 14 of Genesis, and he said, And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. What shall be seen? Abraham now understood it. And he said, In the mount of the Lord, upon this mountain, the lamp of God shall be seen. Our Messiah shall be seen crucified. So Abraham understood that the lamb he slain on that mountain wasn't Isaac, wasn't just an animal, but he was the Messiah. He was the Messiah. And that is what Jesus himself said. Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it. Ladies and gentlemen, the next 15 is another chapter. I want to pause here and conclude by saying there are a lot of things you are trusting and believing God for. The last time God led you to do something, either for that sister or for that brother, if you had obeyed, the need you are worried about today wouldn't have been there. Your seed planted today is like an arrow shot into your future against an evil day. Anytime God inspires you to do something for that sister, for that brother, do this for the church. Stretch your faith. It may be your last, but stretch it. Am I talking to somebody here? I was telling our church, went to the stage recently, and I went, met a man of God for the first time. An elderly man of God, about 90 years old. And when I sat with him for the first 15 minutes, and I listened to him, his theological analysis of the scripture. I knew that this man carried something. And I was inspired that the money I had, I should plant a seed. I won't tell you how much I gave him. Because I know you are smart people, you calculate. <laughs> so, I planted, took that seed and gave it to him. Within the space of 10 days, somebody I didn't know, God linked me up and the person gave me 10 times the amount I gave to the man. Am I talking to somebody here? Sometimes, at the time I gave, I needed money myself, but I had to stretch my faith. I had to stretch my faith. 
I conclude this year by telling you, God will try you. God will test you. God will stretch you. God will put you to test. My prayer is that you will pass your test. Bow down your heads forever.